Welcome to the First Pres Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.20, 9.45, and 11.10. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. You may be seated. With the Lord having His way with us this morning. I want to greet you. I want to greet those who are worshiping with us um, online. I also want to greet the Fellowship Hall service. This is your uh, teaching this morning too, and it's good to be with you in church this morning as we gather around the Lord's table. Friends, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9 as we hear from the Word of the Lord this morning in Luke chapter 9 verses 43 through 48. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you, all who is the greatest. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we do pray that you would open our hearts to receive your word this morning. Lord, for all that we feed on, for all that nurtures us, your word is life. Your word is the bread of life, and we need it, Lord. So shape our souls to worship you, transform our lives to glorify you and meet us in your grace this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Ears to hear like a child. Kids hear everything. Have you noticed this? The choir has noticed this. They don't miss a beat. Uh, Our new home is what you call an open floor plan. I've always resisted this this floor plan of a home, but we love our home. The Lord provided us a wonderful home, so I gave in. But open floor plan means one giant room, okay? That's what it means. And when your house is one giant room, that means everybody can hear everything all the time. Abigail and I can be in the kitchen just talking about what we should have for dinner and speaking in a regular tone of voice, you know. Do you think we should have tacos? Maybe chicken enchiladas, and then we'll hear from upstairs, I don't like chicken enchiladas. (laughs) How did he hear that? It's like the car, you know, they hear everything that you say in the front seat of the car. They can't hear you when you tell them to stop hitting each other, (laughs) but if it's a private conversation, they hear every word. Kids hear it all. Well, today... Jesus takes a child, and he puts a child in front of the disciples, and he says, this is your example. Be like this. And while you say, what do you mean, be like a child? 
I thought we were supposed to grow up. I thought we were supposed to mature. What do you mean, be like a child? Sure, be like a child. Be naive and foolish and inexperienced and, and, uh, and helpless and unable to wash yourself properly. Is that what Jesus is, is after? No. Be like a child. Some of you say, no problem, pastor. My wife tells me I'm like a child all the time. <laughs> this one's easy. I've got this one. Give me a hard one. Not exactly. The Bible tells us we're supposed to grow up. In fact, in, uh, in Hebrews 6, 1, we read, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Ephesians 4 teaches us to become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Remember, Paul chastised the Corinthians in chapter 3 of his first letter, telling them that they were still like little children, spiritually speaking, needing milk when they should have moved on to solid food. And then at the end of that letter, he said, brothers and sisters, Stop thinking like children in regard to evil be infants, but in your thinking be adults. We're supposed to grow up, but there's something about the child that we can embody as mature Christian disciples. Why does Jesus want us to look at the model of the child? Well, I can think of a few, of a, a few possibilities and, and I've come across a few things in my studies and here are just a few ideas that I think apply. One of them is a child trusts. A child trusts innocently. They trust implicitly. They have to trust. We should trust God. A child is dependent on others for care and provision. We should know ourselves dependent on God. A child receives the Word of God without cynicism, without what the academics call the hermeneutics of suspicion, reading every word with doubt, taking it apart. No, a child just receives the Word of God with joy. Children are often free from ambition and the anxiety that that creates. Children don't fiddle with real danger. Now, maybe your, your child would run into real danger. But children don't fiddle with real danger the way that we fiddle with sin and vice in our lives. When they're in real danger, they run for their parents' arms where we play with sin. We play with the destruction of our souls when we should run to our Father in heaven. A child easily empathizes with the pain of others. So there's ways that we're meant to be like a child. And maybe it's something that Jesus talks about entering the kingdom of heaven like a child. How does a child enter the room? Well, a child doesn't burst into a room. A child is led into a room. They only enter where they've been led. And you and I, friends, we are led into the kingdom of God by Jesus our Savior. Jesus puts a little child in front of them. And I think for us, we can easily miss the radical and countercultural power of this moment. Nobody, no great teacher of Jesus' era would have ever put a child in front of their students and in front of their disciples and said, look, here's your model. It wouldn't have happened. No way. John Ortberg, in, in his book, Who Is This Man?, talks about how countercultural Jesus' value of children was. 
The predominant view in Jesus' time was that children are a waste of time. The more important you are, the less time you spend on children. Plutarch said a a child in his first week of life was, quote, more like a plant than a human being. G.K. Chesterton wrote, the pagan world as such would not have understood any such thing as a serious suggestion that a child is higher or holier than a man. It would have seemed like the suggestion that a tadpole is higher and holier than a frog. But Jesus saw it differently. Jesus was born a baby. In fact, we profess that that Jesus began life as an unborn child in the womb, just as we read that God knew Jeremiah in the womb before he was even formed. Jesus grew as a little child. Imagine that, God as a child, God living life as a child. Jesus valued children and pulled them toward him and said to all those around, now look, look. This is a profound and and world-changing moment when Jesus establishes the dignity of children. Orberg writes, Jesus said it wasn't the child's job to become like Herod, it was Herod's job to become like the child. And and he writes this beautiful line, Orberg does, greatness comes to people who die to appearing great. No one else in the ancient world, not even the rabbis, used children as an example of conversion. Friends, part of the Christian revolution, part of the revolution of Jesus, of which you and I are still a part, is to value the dignity of every human being, no matter how small. But let's go back to the passage. What has happened here? The disciples, some of them anyway, have seen Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration. We'll come back to that in just a couple of weeks. They've seen Him perform strong miracles. Now they're riding on a high. I think some of them are feeling their oats. They're saying to one another, is it true that we've really, have we really won the lottery here? Is it really going so well for us that we have become personal friends with God? This is fantastic. You know, it's so good to have a friend who's in a high and important place, isn't it? You know, I'm friends with the CEO of so-and-so or the leader of this or that, or I'm friends with Mayor Southers, or I'm friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know who it is. But it it feels good to have that special friendship. Well, what what if you can be friends with God? And the disciples are thinking, we've landed it here. Greatness soon follows. This is where we pick up the passage. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. The Son of Man, the Lord, the Master of Man, the King, this one that you're hoping is ushering you into all kinds of greatness is going to be handed over. He's going to be 
betrayed. He's going to be delivered into the hands of men, out of his own power, into the power of others. The king is going to be taken over by the plebs. The Lord is going to be overthrown by the subjects. Listen, he says. It's not going to go up and up and up. It's going to go very badly and get very ugly. The Son of Man, to whom you're hitching your your hopes to rise on the coattails, the Son of Man is going to descend. He's going to decline. He's going to get low, to the lowest position possible. As we know, the Lord is going to, to go all the way down to the grave, to go to death, to go below death, so that He can from there lift us up. But they don't know that. He says, listen, the Son of Man is going down. Greatness, Jesus says, does not look the way you think it looks. Greatness descends with sacrifice. They don't get it. They really don't get it. In fact, the disciples are so far from getting it that they're scared to ask the question that will reveal just how far from getting it they are. Get it? It's, It's actually such a monumental flop that it's funny. Unable to understand sacrifice, they turn the conversation to greatness. You know? So, hey, they say, I think when we get there, whenever we get there, and I don't know where we're going, obviously I have no idea, but when we get there, I think Jesus is going to make me a VP. Yeah, I'm headed straight for the executive suite, no doubt about it. An argument actually ensues. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. It's into this argument that Jesus draws forward a child. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. It's a great little Greek word here for for least, microteros, micro, whoever is microest, the most micro among you. Are you aiming at micro in your life? The smallest, the least, the tiniest, can you get low? Jesus says you're upside down. Get low, humble yourself. A child is not proud, vying for power. A child is not expecting to walk into a father's house and demand respect and and status and place. No, the furthest thing. The child comes in knowing that all that it receives, it receives from someone else's hand. You're upside down, says Jesus. Get low. Get under the one next to you. Serve. Humble yourself. Serve and receive from God. Be like a child. In fact, the way Jesus puts it here is receive a child, right? Welcome a child. Whoever welcomes the child 
where the disciples are addicted to a world of measuring one another by status, Jesus calls them to associate with the weak and the status less. You want to be a friend of God? Be a friend to the forgotten child. Descend and serve. Get low and help the small and the weak. God opposes the proud, but He exalts the humble. A family in my last church named the Writers, Matt and Jamie Ryder, came to faith through the ministry of that church. I mean, from not knowing the Lord at all to full conversion, full devotion to Jesus Christ throughout the family. Wonderful, profound, baptized the entire family. A few years ago, they decided the Lord was calling them to adopt. So they went to China and received their daughter, Grace. Grace is the sweetest little girl you'd ever meet. And in China, she was discarded. A little girl where little girls are not valued. An infant in a state where uh, the number of infants is limited by the government. And Grace, Grace has Down syndrome. They received Grace into their family. We baptized Grace, received her into the church, a child of God. Now, did they they receive grace? Did they adopt grace in order to get the glory and the accolades of going to find the least and and adopting the the child that they thought would get the most attention? Let me tell you, no, there, there are no accolades. There are no praiseworthy accolades at two in the morning as they are still teaching grace uh, patterns of sleeping year after year as they are still teaching her uh, to use uh, the restroom as, as they are still teaching her to walk late in her life. There are no accolades, no glory, but grace is shaping that family, shaping their heart after the heart of Christ. In her weakness and her vulnerability, in their service to her, they are being formed after the likeness of Jesus as a household in a very real way. And maybe you know a family like this in a very real way. Because they have received grace, they have received Jesus Christ. Greatness. John Orberg's line, greatness comes to people who die to appearing great. Jesus displays a different kind of greatness. A new greatness is here. Not the greatness of terrible power or governance by force like King Herod or a titan of industry. A new greatness is here. Greatness not defined by dominance, but by service. Greatness not born of self-acclaim, but of self-humbling. Greatness measured not by how many serve me, but by how many I serve. Greatness not from diminishing others, but by building them up. We follow Jesus Christ. We follow Him with courage into the sacrifice of self, into the greatness of getting low. We follow Jesus to the cross. 
where all is given, where all is given, given away. And like a child reaching up into the hands of a loving father and feeling the grasp, the strong grasp, as we give all away to the Lord, He takes it all in His hands. Amen? Lord, we thank You for this call to get low. We struggle with anxiety to rise and to rise under our strength and our power. Lord, shape our hearts this morning to be children of God, to bend our knee humbly and lowly, to receive with meekness those of no status, to be more and more like you, Jesus, you who did lay down your life for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at first-prez.org.